It's the Skinny Podcast, only on Local12.com. Now, here's Richard Skinner. Welcome into the Skinny Podcast. It's the weekly potpourri edition. I'm Richard Skinner, Local12.com, digital sports columnist and editor with Rick Boring. And as each and every week, it's brought to you by Ryan Kiefer of Prime Lending. Rick, how are we this week? Skinny, it's a pretty big week locally. We finally have a date now for legalized sports betting in Ohio, January 1st. We will finally be able to put in legal bets, not having to travel 30 minutes to Lawrenceburg. In my case, you're a little bit closer than that. The only problem is why do we have to wait until January 1st? I don't really understand that. Well, I, I, don't, I don't either, but um, at least they do have a date now. Um, I guess the, the synergy of the new year, maybe, um, I suppose. Um, it, it is going to take some time to figure out where who's going to get licenses and all that. And, and I, I'm going to guess they didn't figure they could do that in the next two or three months. So this gives them the, the rest of the year to kind of get that thing settled. So I'm not disappointed in it. I mean, it's I, I know everybody kind of wanted it by the start of this NFL season. Uh, options because I'm in Ohio so much, um, especially traveling there to cover the Bengals during the season every day. And then um, the broadcasting I do throughout the, the Cincinnati area, it'll be nice to, to not have to go over to Lawrenceburg and maybe just pop into a place that's right next to where I'm, I'm at on a daily basis. Well, that's that's the real question. What will be the go-to lot in Cincinnati? In Lawrenceburg, you have the extended Circle K lot right there that everybody just pulls into to place their bets. Where's that spot going to be in Cincinnati? It's a good point. Uh, maybe on the maybe on the street outside the the the, uh, the Hard Rock Casino, um, that that bus station that's right there. Perhaps maybe you just kind of you kind of pull in there, and if somebody's bothering you, you come. Hey, I'm just waiting for Fred from the. He's coming from Tacoma on the on the five o'clock. I'll I'll be I'll be out of here as soon as Fred's here. Uh, give me give me a couple more minutes. So yeah, that that, that is a good question. But uh, I'm gonna go with the Greyhound bus station there. Okay, I like that. Other than that, Skinny, we've got a lot of stuff to get into, believe it or not, despite not a lot of sports going on. There is some interesting things to talk about. So let's jump right in. The Reds brought us the best sports story of the year, and it's really not even close. Outfielder Tommy Pham served a three-game suspension for slapping giant slugger Jock Peterson last Friday in the outfield as players were warming up before the game even started. We later found out that the slap was over a fantasy football league that the two played in together two years ago, and some perceived disrespect on the part of FAM. Skitty, what were your thoughts on the FAM slap on Peterson, and what do you think is the funniest part of this whole deal? Um, my first reaction is, honestly, I'm not surprised that Tommy FAM got stabbed outside of a strip club in Las Vegas anymore, are you? Exactly right. I mean, this <laughs> that makes so much more sense now that we've heard him talk a little bit more, doesn't it? Yes, I mean, you know, challenging Luke Voigt to a fight, and maybe rightfully so. I mean, what Luke Voigt did to Tyler Stevenson was certainly um, a dirty play, in my opinion, and I, I I appreciate a teammate having a guy's back like that and, you know, challenge him, challenge him to a fight, is, 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 in, at least in print, is pretty good. Um, it feels like, to me, Tommy Pham's got a short fuse, and, and the other thing to me that seems like is whenever you call yourself a big dog in Vegas, <laughs> as he did, um, you're going to probably go bankrupt sooner rather than later. And a high roller at many casinos. Yes, yes. That, that was an excuse he gave for why he pimp slapped, I put that in quotes, Jock Peterson. Because he's a big dog in Vegas and a high roller at many casinos. What does that even mean? I don't know. I I, I, I guess it means he's serious about his money, for, for sure, at least in theory. Although, if you're trust me, if you're calling yourself a big dog and a high roller in Vegas, you're probably heading down the Antoine Walker path of bankruptcy, are you not? Yeah, it sounded like a Tracy Morgan skit from Saturday Night Live. When he was saying that, I was just like, this sounds like Tracy Morgan. I don't know what's going on. This guy sounds like he's unstable right now. 
the first question I had, and it's finally been answered uh, by C. Trent, who did a good job of diving into this, was what was the buy-in for this league? And we found out that it was $10,000 per team. So normally in fantasy football, you have, what, 10 or 12 teams, right? Yeah, I think the both leagues I'm in, I believe we have exactly 12. Yeah, we have three four-team leagues. Yes, yeah, a three four-team division. So, yes, each each league I'm in is 12 teams. One buy-in is 150 bucks, and another buy-in is, is 60, but... Uh, the $60 one, you have a lot, or I'm sorry, that's a hundred dollar one, not 60, a hundred dollar one. Um, and, and in both, you have some, some transaction fees too. So it, that's a pretty good buy in 10 grand. Not going to lie. Well, and that, and that's like, you could have told me millionaire baseball players were, you know, it was a thousand dollars. I was guessing probably in the neighborhood of like 10 grand, but if you would have told me it was like a hundred grand, I really wouldn't have known. So I was fascinated to hear how much they were playing for, but I mean, we're, so if we're talking 10 or 12 teams, the winner probably gets around a hundred grand, right? But yeah. Yeah. Second, I'm sure they have third some place might get their money back or something like that. Right. I'm, I'm going to guess that they have some transaction fees. Remember they also, uh, the rule in this league was um, the person who finished last also had to put another 10 grand into the pot. Right. But I mean, I don't, I don't think the 10 grand part is probably the part that's bothering any major league players. I think it's more about winning the, the said money here. If you're a high roller at many casinos and a big dog in Vegas, so I, I guess what I'm trying to figure out is, is a hundred grand ish enough to get mad enough at somebody to, to want to pimp slap them. And I don't know, I guess even as a, a millionaire baseball player, when you're talking about, I could buy a car or two, that's, that's enough money to get mad to some extent. Well, and, and if you're a big, big roller, a big dog and a high roller in Vegas, uh, maybe you need that money for your next trip to Vegas too, right? Maybe you don't have enough squandered away for that next big trip. So he was counting on maybe that money in that league for something like that. And, and he said, don't, don't, don't mess with my money. He also said that don't mess with my money. All I want to know is a guy who's this caught up in his money and his finances and is this upset about it at this time. Kind of makes you wonder if this guy ain't liquid skinny and if he's putting all his money into crypto, right? <laughs> that's, and maybe that's what it set him off is, is he needed to have some, some liquidity and he's yeah. not because, because of the crypto market tanked. And so he's thinking, hey, Jock, you mess with some cash. I can at least have some cash on hand if not for you. And so, you know what? I'm going to take this out on you. Yes, yeah, every, frustrations. everyone thought he sat on this for well over a year. That wasn't the case at all. He was happy as a clam last year when Bitcoin was $60,000. But now that it's tanking, he needs that $100,000 that he should have won in that fantasy league two years ago. So things have changed. The other part that I thought was great about this was uh, he just doxed Mike Trout as the commissioner of the league here in the last few days. What a narc. Like, is it even legal to be running a pay-to-play fantasy league with over $100,000 exchanging hands? Uh, yeah, to answer your question, I believe it is. Um and I'm serious about this. I believe it is as long as all the proceeds are returned back. So, so as long as the, the house, for is lack of keeping? a better term, isn't taking a cut. Ah, it just seems like a lot of money. Like, I, I don't, I feel like you need to leave Mike Trout's name out of this, in this situation. If it's me, I, I know this Mike Trout isn't texting Tommy fam anymore. If they were ever on texting terms to begin so, with. So here's what needs to happen next. When the angels play the reds or wherever Tommy fam may be the next time the, 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 the Tommy fam plays the angels, Mike Trout needs to pull a, a Will Smith and walk up to him, slap Tommy Pham and go, keep my name out your mouth. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. You got to pimp slap him, as he would say. Uh, uh, it, I, it, I can't it, believe it, this it, is a real human being. I am so, so glad. You know, uh, about a month ago, Tommy Pham had that quote that uh, like all the media types were gushing over where he was like, I wish all the guys would match my energy because good things are going to happen. If that's the case. 
at the time I thought he was an idiot and that was BS because he was like hitting under 200. Now I couldn't agree more. I wish the entire team was pip slapping people before games because they would be a lot more entertaining than they currently are. Yeah, the problem is, though, that they uh, they wouldn't be playing because they'd all be suspended for a handful of games. Well, that's a fair point. By, by the way, speaking of, of, of baseball players and, 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 and pools and what, I remember uh, this was back in the, I'm going to say mid to late 90s, uh, I was I was sent down to do a story on Ryan Sandberg for whatever reason. Uh, they were in town to play the Reds, and he was just coming off of an injury. And so I was in the Cubs clubhouse waiting for him. And during that time, I can remember Mark Grace was running a Kentucky Derby pool for a thousand dollars a pop, guys would take a blind the, the blind draw pool. And at that time I went, Oh my gosh, these guys got more money than they know what to do with if they're just thousand dollar blind drawing the derby pool. But I did witness that firsthand. Yeah, that's pretty that's pretty good. Yeah. All right. While we're on the topic of the Reds, believe it or not, they finished off the month of May with a winning record at 14 and 13 after they beat the Red Sox two to one on Tuesday. That puts them at 17 and 31 overall on the season and 13 and a half games back of first place. The pitching has improved dramatically of late, and there's been more timely hitting as well. Skinny, do you think this team is starting to turn a corner? Um, a little bit, yeah. And I think you can point to the offense. I mean, they were so bad in April, averaged like 3.1 runs per game. They averaged about five per game in May and skewed a little bit by that 20-run game, but really not for the most part. Um, you know, I, I think that's the part. I still don't think this is a great team. Um, you know, they've gotten – Luis Castillo back has helped. I don't know if Mike Miner coming back is going to help. Um, I will say I don't know if this is a 100-loss team anymore, and maybe I'm going to be wrong. This next stretch of games, they've got you know two really winnable series coming up. They're 4-1-3 and three in their last eight series, which is a good sign. Four wins, one loss, and three, three pushes. Um, but, yeah, I think they've turned the corner to at least not being like the 1962 Mets. I think that's right. I mean, no one expected them to be quite that bad this year and then they took that right after Castellini's comments they took that weird turn where they just could not win a game so on one hand yeah I think they're better than what they showed during that stretch but they were never supposed to be that bad to begin with so like I don't know that I want to give them a bunch of credit for still being in last place at this point I mean they want to they won a couple of games so that they're not on track to lose a hundred games now you are right about the fact that this is the time to prove it you have the Nationals and the Diamondbacks coming up two very winnable series if you can stay on a little bit of a roll here you can make this thing look more respectable over the next month and a half or so yeah win 70 some odd games as opposed to winning 65 some odd games and and yeah. I still don't know that that changes well, yeah, what, the what's that do for you I don't know right but. yeah exactly I, I don't I don't know if it does anything for you um what whatsoever I still think it makes you dealers at the trade deadline I think that's I think that's the part is I don't think we're gonna get lulled into a false sense of suddenly this team's going to be back in the playoff hunt and it's not time to deal guys. No, I, I think it still makes puts everybody other than a handful of players in play at the trade deadline. Well, and speaking of that, one of the names that's been talked about a lot this week is Luis Castillo. He pitched really well on Tuesday and he's him coming back and being healthy and being the Luis Castillo of old has been a big boost for this team. Do you think the Reds should be looking to trade him at this point? I think they need to look at one of two things. Sign him to a long-term deal or deal him. I mean, I don't think there's any in-between to this of, of keeping this around for another year. I mean, you know, if if the Reds are all in on this rebuild process, then yes. But if you think he's a cornerstone of your rebuild, then I would say you were going ready, getting ready to commit some long-term money to Luis Castillo as soon as this season's over with. How comfortable. But, but, but you have to make up your mind on that pretty quickly. 
Totally agree. Yeah. I mean, if you're at the same spot next year at this time, you totally screwed it up. Yeah, exactly. How comfortable are you with offering a long-term deal to Luis Castillo? I've always thought he's got great stuff. I know it doesn't come as consistently as we'd like, but I'm also not talking about a 32-year-old guy here either. I'm still talking about a guy that's got a lot of years left in him, in my opinion. Um, I, I, you give me a cornerstone of him and, and, and Lodolo, and, and I like Graham Ashcraft more than Hunter Green, and you can throw Hunter Green in there if you want, and I'm still not completely sold on Hunter Green. Um, then, then you've got yourself the makings of, of, of a rotation. And I think that's the place to start. Start with pitching and let's go from there. Yeah, I, I don't disagree with that. I'd, I'd be interested in knowing how long you're going to lock him up for because I don't think you're on the verge of winning next year. No, I, I fully understand that. But I also don't think we're, we're talking, are, are we looking five? And I guess that's the other part is when when do they think they're, they, they're going to have some guys ready? I mean, and that's that, the whole problem, yeah, isn't that, it? That Dayton team's pretty good, and those guys are probably at least three years away, whatever guys you look at from Dayton. Um, so, yeah, if, if you think that's how far out you're going to, to be with this, then, yeah, then you don't commit the long-term dollars to him. But you better get some value for him if you're going to deal him. Yeah, and that's the problem. I don't know that they know what the plan is or when the window is now. It seems like they're just kind of caught in no man's land a little bit, and that does make it tougher to decide what to do with a guy like Luis Castillo. So in this case, I personally would like them to just trade the guy as soon as possible or whenever his value is the highest, which is going to be sometime in the next month or so, I would assume. Yeah, especially if he continues to pitch pitch as well as he's pitching. Right. And, I mean, teams are going to be interested in him, especially considering they'd have him under control for another year. So I think there's value there. I think you need to get as much young talent and prospects as you can. I'm not saying Luis Castillo won't be a really good pitcher for another seven or eight years, and it might not be worth locking him up long term. But just due to the fact that I don't think the Reds really have a clue of where they're at right now, I don't know if you can make that type of commitment. Yeah, and if they think they're building blocks in the rotation of Lodolo, Green, and Ashcraft, and then whatever else is coming from, from beyond that and under that, then then okay, then I'm, I'm more than willing to deal, deal Luis Castillo. But I, I, you know, I'd love to know if they have that plan. Yeah, I, that I, plan is. I need to see a little more out of Graham Ashcraft before I'm ready to commit to that. Fair, no, that's fair. I've, I've, I've had a couple other people that, that, that cover the team that have said the same thing to me when I've – Talked about how much more impressed I am with him than, than with Hunter Green. And, you know, uh, I yeah. still go back to boy, Hunter Green can look electric for some short periods of time, but then all of a sudden it's not as electric on a consistent basis. And, and look, I think it's a good idea they continue to let him stay up here and try to pitch through some of this stuff. I think they tried last night when he got in trouble. And at, at one point, I think David Bell even said, hey, you know, it wasn't worth it to extend him. I'm good with that. But I still, I got to see more consistency. And I, I know that's asking a lot of a young kid. I, I don't need him to be great every start, but. Man, he was so good for three innings last night, and then boom, wheels fall off. And I've told you this, Rick. I just, for me, it feels like he's just a second time around when the velocity goes down guy that people are going to tee off on. That could be. But I mean, he it's so early still with him, and he's no, been through a lot already in his career with the rehab. And I'm not at all ready to write off a guy with that type no, of I'm stuff not, that's already shown yeah. the willingness to be coachable and try to do something different. Yes. I mean, he has definitely started pitching differently over the last month or so since he really struggled in, in those couple consecutive starts. So I, I'm still really high on Hunter Green, but I mean, I get your point. It's not, it's far from a sure thing. No, and every time I say that to myself, I always say, look up John Smoltz. I mean, look up his first first year when he came over from Detroit to Atlanta. He was a train wreck. All right, anything else to get to on the red skinny before we switch gears here? I think that's it. All right. Bengals guard Jackson Carmen declined to comment on Tuesday when asked about a story on the website defector.com accusing him of raping a 15-year-old girl while he was an 18-year-old freshman at Clemson in 2018. 
According to the story, the incident was investigated and no charges were filed. The story claims that Carmen said the sex was consensual. Skinny, where do you think this all goes from here? It feels like we're caught in a little bit of no man's land here with this situation. Do you think this is something that continues for a while or where is it at? I, I don't. Um, you know, the Bengals have made it pretty clear they're not going to talk about it. Um, the question's been, I've had people pester me about asking Duke Tobin. He's really the last guy to ask about this. Uh, or the next guy to ask about this when the time comes. Zach Taylor's been asked about it. He was asked about it on draft night, as a matter of fact, the story, and he no commented it. Um, I asked Jackson personally on 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 Wednesday that question, and, and he declined to comment on it. There are no charges filed. And and listen, I, I'm not here to 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 poo-poo sexual assault and push it push it to the wayside. I just don't, we're we're kind of in that no man's land of he said she said with no charges filed. And I'm sorry, I just. You know, there, there are people that can hate Jackson Carmen. That's your that's your fair opinion. But I just don't know how the Bengals. I mean, I guess in theory, they could say we didn't know. Now we do know we're going to get rid of him. But kind of like a lot of guys, you find out stuff. No charges filed. It's, it's hard not to let the guy go earn a living at that point. Yeah, right. I mean, I don't know what type of lawsuits you potentially open yourself up to if you start firing a guy for something like this when there are no charges filed. So now, now I will say, I, I, I said this on another podcast with Mike Petralia, who covers the Bengals. It was his podcast. He asked me to come on last week. I, I do think a couple of things are in play though, with this, um, whether they knew or not, I, I do think that the fact the story has come out has put him on an extremely short leash, leash from a professional standpoint that, yeah. um, and I think they've, they've given him this left guard spot to try to, to, to win or lose. And if he loses it, I think they could move on quicker rather than you. Most, most rookie guys that are drafted that high, you're going to at least let them play through the four-year contract, the four-year rookie window. It's very rarely do you give up on a guy during that four-year rookie window. That's a high pick. And he was a second round pick. But I think in this case, it's you get the job. Um, you need to prove that you're a pro. You need to prove that, that, that you've, you've, I don't want to say turn to corner because again, I don't know what happened in this case. Nobody, everybody, there's a lot of accusations that, that people are making and everybody is making that no, none of us know about, um, whether they're true or not. So, you know, I, I think in this case, I think he's just on a very short leash, Rick, that, you know, the second that he doesn't prove to be a professional, um, is the second I think they get rid of him. That doesn't mean, I mean, he might lose his job just because of performance. Right. And if they still think there's something in the tank performance related, then they do keep him around. But if they think it's it's because he wasn't in his playbook, that he got fat and out of shape again, which he's, he's not. He's transformed his body a little bit. He looks way more athletic and all those things. He he talked to us the week before about um, some nutrition things he's done and, and, um, and, and some things he's changed in, in workouts and diet. And he looks much better because of it. Um, he seems to sound like he's in his playbook a little bit more. But I do think there's a really short leash for the guy. I do. Yeah, I don't want to spend too much time on, on this topic, but it's just it's a weird situation because it obviously seems horrible and you read the story and it doesn't sound good and you see some of the text messages and stuff that were sent. And it's like it's hard to read. And then obviously it's not the type of guy you necessarily want to root for after you read something like that. But it is just this this weird thing where it's like no one really has any more to go on than this one story that's out there. Like there isn't any new information. There are no charges that were filed. It's just kind of stuck where it is. So you're in this kind of awkward spot where, okay, you ask everybody about it. They say no comment. Where do you go from here? You know, I mean, everyone wants blood in these types of situations, but there's not a lot else you you can really do unless you're the Bengals and you want to get rid of the guy. 
Yeah, I, I think the question needed to be asked of him just to allow him the, the, the chance to, to, to either tell his side of the story, which I knew was not going to happen, or to give us the no comment just to at least have it addressed. At least it's been addressed. I regret not asking it the week before. I was in that scrum with a lot of other guys and a lot of other reporters, and it should have been asked then. And I, I personally took it upon myself to to go ahead and say, I'll ask him this this week, and I did. And um, I, 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 I think it was something that needed to be asked. I don't think it's going to be answered. And that's where, again, you can think what you want of Jackson Carmen. That's your prerogative. I, I'm, I'm not going to give you either way what I think. I, I look at him as a football player. I don't look at him as anything else. That's kind of how I look at all these guys. Um, but with the no charges filed, it's hard to do much with this at this point, right? It is. Yeah, and that's and that's probably where we can leave it. I just again I, I don't know much how, how much farther you can really go with it, to be quite yeah, honest. Yeah, I, I would say this. If you are a fan and, and this does upset you, and again, I'm not telling you you're wrong, um, then I would make my voice heard to the Bengals and say, I it's hard for me to root for you and your team and, and to spend my money with a guy like this on the team. And they can tell you to go pound sand. That's their prerogative too, that they say we've done our due diligence, there were no charges filed. We're in a very gray area, and we think he's an employee and a valuable employee at this point. Nothing more, nothing less. But, yeah, if you're angered by it, then then make your voice heard to them. Skinny, is there anything else that came out of Bengals OTAs this past week? No, I'm getting ready to write about the, the, the wide receiver depth, if you will, the fact that they didn't draft one and they haven't brought one in camp, and what does that mean for the guys behind it? That tells you how exciting the, 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 where, where we're at in the offseason. That's, that's right. And speaking of which, aside from those workouts, I did have one other Bengals topic that I wanted to get to because on NFL Network's Good Morning Football, they recently had a discussion about which assistant coach is going to raise their profile in 2022. Peter Schrager's pick was Bengals offensive coordinator Brian Callahan. And my question for you was, with Zach Taylor calling the plays instead of Callahan, do you think he'll have the opportunity to break out and gain notoriety as an up-and-coming head coach candidate? I do, um, and it was funny because that that story that Peter Schrager did, they showed video of quarterbacks coach Dan Pitcher instead of Brian Callahan throughout that. <laughs> they, showed, they showed the wrong guy. Perfect. Um, but um, I do because I, 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 he's obviously a very valuable piece of putting – and that's the funny part. Most offensive coordinators in the league are play callers, right? Um, Brian is not, but Brian's obviously very involved in putting together the game plan itself. And so I think that speaks a lot to it. Um, he's very well spoken, um, almost to the point of he he at times talks talks too long with answers. But I think he's very well spoken. He's very polished. I think he's very organized. Uh, I do. I mean, it, it, that's kind of how this league works. I don't think it's the right way to always go about hiring head coaches. But <laughs> yeah. if you're an assistant on a hot staff, that's usually how you get your job. We've seen a lot of guys from the Belichick tree get their jobs that way and then fail along the way. But I, I do. I think even without Brian calling the plays, I, I do think he's an up and comer in that regard. I think you will, too. First of all, you t start with his father being Bill Callahan. Right, that doesn't hurt right, when you're in a right. good old boys fraternity well, business right, like this. Right. Then look no farther than Zach Taylor's path. Ten years as an assistant, no real successful offensive coordinator experience to speak right. of. He was a quarterback's coach for a year and a wide receiver's coach for a year with the Rams right before he became the Bengals head coach. You look at Brian Callahan, he's, what, 12 years into this stuff now? Yep. The offensive coordinator, whether he's calling the plays or not, for an offense that had an incredible turnaround, went to the Super Bowl. And, I mean, to be quite honest, I don't know that that's the right way to look at it. If you're making a hire, I think I would tend to say the Bengals appear to have landed a unicorn quarterback and Callahan isn't even the one calling the plays for him. So I'm not sure how much I can really take away from that situation. But I don't think that's how most organizations are going to look at it. They're going to say, we want whoever the hottest up and coming 
team is, and and he's part of that team right now. So we'll take yeah, that I, guy. You know, if Zach Taylor was still on Miami staff, Zach Taylor would not have gotten the Bengals head coaching job. It just exactly. so happened. He was on a hot staff at the time. And like I said, that seems to be how the league works. I don't think that's always a recipe for success, but that's how the league works a lot of times with hiring head coaches. All right. The NBA finals will tip off tonight as we're recording this on Thursday morning. Golden State is seeking a fourth championship in eight years while the Celtics are trying to break a tie with the Los Angeles Lakers and become the first team with 18 NBA titles. Skinny, the Warriors are minus 150 to win the series. The Celtics are plus 130. Who do you like? How many games? And what other bets do we like that we can get into here? I've got them pulled up on, on DraftKings right now. Yeah, I, I, I like the Warriors to win the series for sure. Um, I'm going to go because it's the two. I forgot. I used to, I, I'm still in the old school of the 2-3-2 two, two format, which was always odd to me. The 2-2-1-1-1 two, two, one, one, one is the one. I'm going to go Warriors in five. They win the first two at home split in Boston, and come back and clinch in game five. So I'm going Warriors in five. What does that prop bet get me? Plus 450 if you take the Warriors four games to one. Yeah, I think I'm going to take the Warriors to win the series and then the Warriors in five games as my side prop. Yeah, we're in, we're in the same boat here. I like the Warriors to win it as well. Obviously at minus 150, not a lot of great value there, no. but that's who I would take anyway. Um, in terms of the... The in how many games I would go six games here. It's plus five fifty instead of plus four fifty. I just think it's hard to win in, in five games in a NBA Finals these days. Um, I, you know the the other one that's somewhat interesting to me would be the um, MVP. Bet. I just okay, okay. You're gonna have to give me some odds for it because I have a hard time. If the Warriors win, it wouldn't be Steph Curry. You, you think it wouldn't be, or you think it would automatically be Steph Curry? Yeah, I think it would almost automatically because he would probably right. play well. I mean, well, I think that, that's that's part of it. But get, Clay Thompson's each, an interesting one. For either team, it feels like it has to be Jason Tatum or Stephen Curry, depending on right. who wins. And even if the Warriors win, you could see it being Jason Tatum potentially. I mean, that's very rare, but you could. Um, yeah, Clay Thompson is an interesting one because he's 40 to 1. Yeah, I mean, what if he goes on one of those crazy 12 for 15 three point runs, right? Yeah. And then he just plays kind of normal the other game. I mean, if he's aver- right. if he averages 25 for the series and have has a 35 point game or something, or 40 point game, then he'd be in contention, I think. The other one that I think is fascinating at 100 to one is Andrew Williams. He's yeah. really been playing like a madman in these playoffs, and he's talented enough that I could kind of just see him being the the odd man out that Celtics don't have enough guys to match up with. Yeah, the, the thing with, with Steph is the Celtics will p- try to bully him. That's hard to do, obviously, because he's really good at, at not getting bullied. And so if that's the case, does he become more distributor than scorer? And if that's the case, then, yeah, that opens it up for a lot of different guys. Yeah. I mean, they do have Marcus Smart. So they have, you know, they have a guy that's really top-tier defender that can rough you up a little bit. So it does concern me a little bit with Steph. But, yeah, I mean, it feels a lot like it's going to be either Tatum or Steph. And Tatum's minus 125, Curry's plus 150 so the thing with the thing with the clay thompson though and i think you're right all it might take is one great game out of all of this and then some good games by him and he's just the feel-good mvp right yeah and and 40 to 1 odds is i know pretty darn good for a guy like clay thompson i know so you, you got me very enticed more enticed with that than the 101 andrew wiggins i get your point but clay at 40 to 1 like i said one good game one great game and a bunch of good ones and I think everybody's going to go, look, Steph's got enough hardware. What a great story this guy is coming back and helping this team back over the hump to win a championship. He's the MVP of the series. Well, it might even just be worth a five spot just for right. a little no, fun right. win, you know? Right, right. I'm with you. 
yeah, I, did, I don't think there's a there's you know there's tons of props available with it being the NBA Finals, but I, I didn't see any that were, were too intriguing for me. So I don't know that I'm going to be playing anything else. But I, I am looking forward to the series. I think it'll be uh, a fun to start seeing the Celtics team try to make their push towards being a a great team and see if they can carry this going forward. But I don't think they have much of a chance to win if we're being honest. I, I don't either, but I do think it was a big step for them to take to get to the NBA finals. Totally I agree. They lost this thing. I think then, then there's a lot of questions on, uh, you know, how do you build this team moving forward? What pieces do you keep around? So for them to, to get here and to do it on Miami's home court, I thought was huge. Even though my text message to you the other night was they are a bunch of whiny bees. They do whine like nobody's business. They do. I mean, the whole, this whole, era of the NBA it feels like they do that nonstop, but they, they especially do it a lot. Uh, there were a lot of people that said, Hey, you got to break Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown up. Like those right. can't be your two right. guys. You got, you got to right. figure this out. And um, they've, they found a way to get here again. I didn't watching that Eastern conference final series. I didn't think either one of those teams, the heat or the Celtics looked capable of winning an NBA title. And especially not against the way this warriors team is playing right now, but I guess anything can happen. So we'll see where it goes, but I'm with you that that was a huge step for the Celtics to take, to at least get into this position. Yeah. Yep. All right. Let's get into some ask skinny, anything, and we'll start on the golf side of things from our guy, Jed, what does skinny make of all the golf drama happening now? A separate tour backed by the Saudis landed one big fish with Dustin Johnson. Does this league have any viability? It does because of the money they're throwing around and, and, um, I think it's going to be interesting to see the PGA was going to take a hardline stance of, of don't go play in this or you're going to regret it. Now, um, a sponsor's already pulled out of Dustin Johnson, RBC, which sponsors a couple of terms. They've already dropped him. And I'm going to guess Dustin weighed that. Uh, I don't think he's a stupid guy, but I do think he took the money grab here. And um, we'll see how that goes. I, I think what... I think what some of these guys are trying, I think this was Phil Mickelson's point, if he wasn't such an idiot the way he phrased it was, they feel like they have no leverage with the PGA Tour whatsoever. And Which so, is kind of right. Yeah, right. No, and I think they feel like this gives them some leverage. And while Dustin's the biggest name, there's a handful of other decent names that are playing in this event too. So, um, you know, the purse is 25 mil, which is just huge, and all these purses are that. Um, I think if other guys decide, listen, I don't like the way the PGA Tour is treating me and and – you know, if they're going to ban me, fine. I'll go play on this tour. I'll take the dirty money. Well, and one thing that I think is definitely true is the fans aren't going to care which league it is. No, if correct. the right guys are playing and it's fun and, they're, you know, you can bet on it and there's a lot of money online, all that type of stuff. That's all that matters to fans. Like they correct. don't care which network it's airing on or who's running the league. So I, I think that there's viability in the sense that if you get enough guys and it, it matters in the sense of it's an elite golf league, then, yeah, I think it'll be viable. Yeah, I do, too. I I, I would hate that if we, we get to some major tournaments and some guys have been banned because they've played on this tour or they choose that tour over a major in this tour. That would be disappointing to not see the star power. I don't think that's going to happen. you got a kind of a one-off. I mean, I love the Memorial. I think it's a great term. I've been up there a, a bunch of times, but I think for a handful of guys, it's – Love the Memorial. Love you, Jack. But 25 mils, 25 mil. I'm going to go play in this tournament and test it out. Fair enough. And actually, no, I take it back. That's not even this week. That's next week. So it doesn't even compete with the Memorial. It competes with next week. There you go. This one is power ranked the AFC divisions, East, West, North, and South. And who would you take as the seven AFC playoff teams today in no specific that, order? No, that's a great question. Um, I'll go West for sure. I mean, I, I, none of those teams on paper to me is an under 500 team on paper. Um, and I'm not so sure Denver might not be the best of the bunch now that they've got a capable quarterback. 
that seemed to be all they were kind of lacking. So the yeah. West, West by, yeah, the West by far. Um, then the North, then the East, and the South is clearly at the bottom. The South is horrifying. Yeah, that's exactly how I would have ranked them as well. Uh, do you have the teams you would, the seven playoff teams you would take yeah, right let now? Me, let me go division winners first. I'm going to go in the East, Buffalo, in the South, Indy, in the North, the Bengals. And in the West, I'm going to take Denver over Kansas City. I think that Tyree Kill absence is going to affect them. Um, then the wild card teams, I'll go Baltimore, and I think they're really good. I just have my doubts of Lamar making it through 17 games again. I'll go Baltimore, and then two more from the West. I'll go Kansas City and the Chargers. All right, I like it. Skinny, this is this is a good question. What's the acceptable amount of time for a fantasy NBA loser to wait prior to giving the winner his winnings? I know who this question came from because I owe a guy $100 for an NBA league. Listen, we were supposed to play cards the Wednesday after this league wrapped up. I had his $100, and we haven't seen each other since. I'm not a Venmo or PayPal guy, so I've got it, Brock. I've got it. Next time, I'm going to give you your $100. He's right, though. What's he wanted in crypto? I mean, you're on the gold standard, man. You're liquid. If he if he wants your payment, it's got to be in cold, hard cash. That's the only way you right. do business. I've got 250 set aside for him right now. I will say if you were in Tommy Pham's league, you would be getting pimp slapped and you'd owe him another 50 probably. Well, I, I would hopefully see him in person to be able to give him that money. I'm, I'm just, I'm not a Venmo PayPal guy. Well, yeah, you would because Tommy Pham would be hunting you down. He's a big dog in Vegas. That's right. High roller. Yeah. All right. What's the most annoying thing one of your neighbors has ever done, Skinny? Ooh, I like my neighbors. I'm trying to think. Oh, I can tell you. It was a na- He's really not even a neighbor. We, we've got a creek that separates the house behind me and our house. So they live on a separate street. So I don't even call it a neighbor. But this was a couple of summers ago. I'm sitting outside and I hear this. It was a hot night and I hear this dog barking. I go over. Somehow they, they went out of town and left the dog outside. Oh, my God. Yeah. I think you get like arrested for that, can't you? Well, supposedly then I went to a next door neighbor. He said, yeah, somebody else is supposed to be watching that dog. I'll take, and he did take care of it, the other neighbor. But I kept thinking, this poor dog, it's a thousand degrees. What's he barking about? Yeah. Well, he's been outside with no water for a couple of days, probably. That's what he's barking about. Yes. Yeah. Speaking of that, this is, this is not annoying. So I'm walking out of the house on Tuesday to go to the Bengals and my, my one neighbor, we've lived next door to each other for 30 years. She says, Hey, you got a quick second. I said, yeah, why? I said, I got to kind of go, but what do you got? She goes, you got to see this. So they've got a pool. So I walk around behind the pool outside the fence area, giant snapping turtle laying eggs. Weird. Weird. Out in uh, Hebron or Union? Out, Con- out, out in Burlington. 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 Yes. So what we think is that, that we've had all this rain, that it, there's a few ponds around that it washed out of a pond into our creek behind us, crawled up the creek, uh, up the up the embankment, and found that was the place to lay her eggs. And I guess she talked to animal control and they, she said, they said, listen, we'll, we'll probably come dig the nest up of, of eggs, but the mother doesn't stay with it. And sure enough, she watched the mother laid the eggs and left and walked away. It's kind of a good system. They've got to be honest. I I'm kind of with that, that the, the thing was awesome to see. I mean, when I talk giant snapping turtle, dude, I wouldn't have gone to touch it. The thing was huge. Yeah. I'm not big into touching snapping turtles in general. No, That's kind of a rule no. of mine. There hey, used I'm, to be one up. At, there used to be one in the pond at Villa Madonna Academy that would occasionally come out. I remember that. Te- yeah, one of the teachers knew how to you'd grab him by the tail and throw him back in. But I'm like, I wouldn't mess with that, bro. Yeah, I, I remember that snapping turtle at Villa well. They, I, th- 
Villa still has the coolest basketball gym in Northern Kentucky to me. No question. It sits right on that little pond that lake. there. Yep. Lake. Yep. Yeah, that's that's awesome. Uh, I, I'm in the same boat as you. I've got good neighbors. I don't have anything to complain about, except I, I am pissed off. I think birds should only be allowed to chirp during sunlight hours. We've got a bird situation right now across the street where all night long, and I work an overnight shift from you know 1 a.m. to 6 a.m., this bird is just going strong chirping, and it drives me nuts. I hate that sound. Well, dude, we have two bird nests under our deck, and I can hear them every morning, but I don't hear them at night. That's weird. Yeah, I mean, he's going strong all night long. I mean, he's working the third shift right along with me. This guy is out of control. So we neighbors are fine, but the birds suck. Yeah, we do have a woodpecker that will occasionally go off at weird hours. <laughs> that is weird. The yeah. late, I saw a lady got a bird, a woodpecker stuck in her hair. Oh, it went viral this week. I didn't see that one. I'm going to have to Google that when we're done. She's, she's very calm. It's on our website. All right. Uh, let's get to Bo Egger's question. He says, please rank. And this is, of course, coming as a result of the Tommy Pham situation. He says, please rank from not so bad to absolute worst. The following people to have in your guys trip to Vegas. First guy is the guy whose only contribution to any conversation about where to have a meal is a suggestion to dine at a buffet. I knew that was coming. The guy who proposes one of the middle days of the trip to be spent with an excursion to Hoover Dam. The guy who cannot overcome losing a little money at the tables and spends the rest of the night brooding. The guy who's a little too enthusiastic about any adult entertainment. We all know that guy. I know that guy. The guy who, if there is any adult entertainment, looks at the rest of the group and says, quote, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. The guy who spends the entire trip quoting The Hangover and other films set in Vegas. The guy who at the last minute tells everyone that he's bringing his wife because, well, there's a show she wanted to see. The guy well, who spends. That guy, that, hang on. That guy's automatically ranked as the, at the bottom. Already. Yeah, that guy's not, not coming. coming. That guy's not coming. Correct. Yeah. yeah that, that's one where you can lay your foot down. Just be like, sorry, man, you're not you're not part of this trip. The guy who spends nearly every waking Vegas moment at the tables. The guy who sits with you at the sports book, places no wagers, but offers nonstop running commentary and analysis of the game you've got money on. Or finally, Tommy Pham. <laughs> See, the thing the thing with with Tommy Pham would be, could he get you into some of the high roller areas just for blanks and giggles, right? Yeah, he's a high roller at many casinos. I think that'd be a good, you'd probably get free stuff while you're with him if, he, if he's really so, a high so roller. Yeah, so, yeah, but, so, so to, Tommy, Tommy wouldn't be awful. Tommy would be very much into the gambling. He'd kind of be the guy that would brood, I think, if he lost his money, don't you think? Well, yeah, I think he'd probably think be fighting people. Okay, so so bottom, we already got the bottom guy who we're not even going to put on the trip. Also, let me be clear that anyone who says they are a high roller in Vegas is not actually a high roller at many casinos yes. in Vegas. So we probably do have to clarify that about Tommy Pham. But good, yes, the guy who wants to bring his wife is not even included on the trip. Yeah, um, I would say buffet guys in there. Although the thing is, I mean, they are pretty good in Vegas. I mean, it's not like your Golden Corral, for goodness sakes. Yeah, and I mean, honestly, there are worse traits to have than the guy who wants to eat at Golden Corral all the time, too. There, there are worse think, traits on here. I think Mr. Overly Enthusiastic about uh, about the adult entertainment. I mean, honestly, act like you've been there, in my opinion. Yeah, act like you've been there. You've seen an areola or two, my man. Chill. Yep, exactly. Yeah. Um, all right, so what other guys we got here? Uh, I think one guy that is going unspoken right now is the – the guy who sits with you at the sports book places no wagers, but yes. offers nonstop running commentary. And I'm analysis. sorry, he's 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 the next to the bottom of the list of the guy we're not bringing. Yeah, that guy. That guy's horrible. Because because I listen, unless you got something on this game, I don't need to hear from you. I just don't. One hundred percent. 
And listen, Rick, like like tonight, if you bet on Boston, I bet on Golden State, you can root right next to me for Boston with all your heart. It won't bother me. You got your money on it. Good for you. You can talk all you want. Totally agree. Okay. If, so If you're not betting on the game, though, shut the hell up. Yes. Uh, brood, the guy who broods over losses bugs me a little bit, um, but as long as he's not bothering me, he can brood all on his own all he wants. I mean, I get that. Hey, listen, it's probably the wise decision to to um, have a have a bankroll and kind of milk your way through that bankroll as you're there. But um, yeah, I, I, I that guy doesn't bother me as long as he's not bothering me, right? If he wants to sit there on his own and pout while I'm still betting and, and, and drinking and carousing and having a good time, then okay, that's fine. You brood on your own, man. Yeah, that, that's the thing. It's got to be one in a group so you have other people to hang with that aren't yes. ruining the night. And two, you've still got to be at the casino playing. Like if you if you were going to the casino for half the day and then going to do something else and this guy's just going to not have any fun and be a sourpuss the whole night, then yeah, I mean, that that guy sucks. I hate the guy who's like, it ruins his mood because he can't take a loss that that's like, you know, middle school video game type stuff. So I get that being that guy who uh, loses too much money and gets pissed off. In fact, I think there are some guys who that's part of the fun for them is, is getting pissed off about their losing, yes. but it is, it can be hard to hang out with for uh, like a full trip. Yeah. I I'd say third from the bottom though, is what, what happens in Vegas stays, what stays in Vegas guy. Cause, cause there is that guy. Yeah. I think the guy, the guy quoting from, from the hangover in any Vegas related movie, he's, he's towards the bottom of the pack as well. It, well he's, uh, he's the same as what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas guy to me, but to me, those guys are both harmless. Like the person who says that, is not the guy that needs to be sane. He's not doing anything that actually needs to stay in Vegas. Yeah, and he's also probably overly enthusiastic going to an adult entertainment establishment too, guy. Well, you're right. That's probably three and the same guy right there. It's, I think it is. I think that is the same guy. Yeah. Believe and they're probably not, all Tommy Fam. actually. Tommy Fam is probably all of these, except for like eating at the, the buffet because he's got enough money to not do that. That's a good point. I'm going to be honest with you, Rick. The guy that doesn't bother me, let's take, a, take an excursion to Hoover Dam guy. Uh, the, the only problem is middle of the week. I mean, it's like, you know. Yeah, I don't need it to be. I don't need it to be, a, a you know, a stand there in six hours and look at the damn thing. But I, it still fascinates me. I've done it. It's a fascinating piece of architecture. I mean, it really, truly is. I when I when I worked at Turfway Park, we would take um, some of our top players each year on an excursion to, to law to Laughlin at Caesars Casino. When Caesars was a part owner of Turfway, we would take them out to Laughlin. I'll be honest with you. Some of the most enjoyable times I had was was kind of hiking down down some of the trails there. That was you know I, it was just it's just some awesome inspiring country. I would literally wake up every morning and look down at the at the Colorado River and go, this is just beautiful. Um, so I'm kind of that geeky guy a little bit, but yeah, I, I mean, and here's the thing: if I if I talk to guys and say, hey, you want to go to Hoover Dam? And five go, no, I'm going to the tables. And the other four or five go, let I'll go with you. Fine, go do you. I'll do me. I'm as long as I'm a big you do you, I do me guy. I'm fine with that. Yeah, I'm good with that. And it may be a day where, listen, you're you're on a roll. You're winning every bet you can place, and I'm having a bad day and just decide, you know what? I'm just going to call it a day because it's just one of those days that it's not in the cards for me. Let me find something else to do. I'll go to Hoover Dam. Anybody want to come? No? Okay, I'll drive on my own. Have a good day. I'll see you guys a little bit later. I'll meet you in the buffet with Tommy Pham. No, I'm good with that. All right, we'll wrap it up with this. If the, <laughs> this is This is good. If either of you were to die this weekend... Which member of the local media would you each want to do the podcast with going forward? Assume that you can get anyone to do it, and they'll say yes. I'll, I'll go my, my guy, Paul Daner. He and I have done one before. We did one for a year doing a Bengals podcast, and I, 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 I super enjoyed it. 
Yeah, Paul's just so easy to get along with. Yep. He's funny and he's good. He's good at that. Like he can yeah, host he or be a guest. You know. Yeah, he's he's good at coming up. He's kind of like you. He's really good at coming up with the topics. Yeah, yeah. Paul Paul is a very good answer. I would. I think it's almost unfair to be using Mo or Lance in this scenario. I mean, like they have the biggest followings. They already do yes. a radio show. They're going to be the best at it. So, I mean, I would probably just say Mo, just because it makes the most sense, and I'm going to get the the most action out of it in terms of followers and people listening. Um, you know, one that I think I might consider and go, I I'm maybe stretching a little bit here because it's not sports media. I'm just going with media in general, but our guy, Bobby Herzog at local 12, I think might not be a bad sports podcast guy. And he would be really good at the, just like generic topic stuff. He's, he's like, he's great. You know, it'd be a totally different podcast from what you and I do. You know, it wouldn't be as much, um, probably pooping and strip clubs and things like that, but he's he's got a good sense of humor. Yeah. He's very funny and, and uh, can chop it up a little bit. And it would be fun instead of you and I dragging each other farther down into the gutter. It would be like, how far can I get him to go pushing the line, you know, pushing the envelope. So I'll tell you, I'll tell you, I'll give you one other one too. Cause I, I, I I enjoy anytime because we, we, we are in the same room a lot of times now that we're back uh, on, on premises with Bengals. We had a good time cutting it up on draft uh, during draft weekend. Dan Horde. Oh, yeah. Dan. Well, I mean, the, the voice there, too, is really good. Um, and, you know, he's going to be way more prepared than you are. Well, which is fine. I mean, I, I'm great. You can give me just about. That's why I love this, this set. You can give me just about a question or anything. I'm going to find a way to answer it, whether it's the right answer, wrong answer, answer you don't like, answer you do like. I'm going to give you an answer. So Dan is great at putting topics together, too. So I figure whatever he puts together, I'm going to answer it. Yeah, 100%. And that's what, like, I would love doing that podcast because I would know, oh, Dan's going to have tons of research and intelligent things to say, and I can just be an idiot for most of the time. So that's exactly. that's a really good answer. Um, George Vogel is always a good answer for situations like this, just because you can BS with George for two hours and not even realize it happened. He's the same guy, man. You can you can literally, he he, he will give you an answer to anything, and, and you're 10, 10 minutes later, you're like, what did he just say? I mean, he, he can BS with the yeah. best of them, too. I'll never forget. I think he was actually doing a segment uh, with your guy, Tom Gamble, and uh, the show he does on 700. Yeah, or, yeah he, he's on there regularly, yes. Yeah, um, I, I and they were t- they were asking him something sports-related, and within five minutes into the conversation, he was telling some story about filling up watermelons with vodka and all this. I mean, it was like the damnedest story. It's like, it was five minutes into the conversation. They've got him so far off the rails after asking about like a Reds game, you know, yes. I mean, that, that's just Vogel right there. So I could do a podcast with that guy. Daneman's always another one that's on the list too. Good dude. Good combination of easy to like funny and super like sports star. Like he could talk NBA stuff with these, not just like the local sports guy. No, you're right. That's a good one. So those, those would be the guys I think I'd consider hardest. Yeah. I just hope neither one of us die over the weekend. Tell you what, whoever asked that question is going to feel really bad if something happens to us. Maybe, maybe not. Maybe that's what he's hoping for. Well, I could, I could be. I, well, though, if you're listening to this podcast and you really dislike one of us at this point, well, what, what are you doing with your life? That's a good point, too. <laughs> All right, Rick, appreciate it as always. Thanks for the questions as always, as well. Mo, especially your question. I loved it. Thank you very much. And yes, I am going to Hoover Dam guy, believe it or not. That's me. And, uh, uh- Brock can expect his fantasy basketball money soon. I yep, hear. next time I see him, he'll have his hundred bucks for sure. I've got, I've, I've, it's sitting aside for him. I've got it for him. I just you're not going to use your Bitcoin wallet to send that over. Nope, I'm going to have to pass on that. Okay, Thank all you. right, all right. For Rick Boring, I'm Richard Skinner. It's been the Skinny Podcast, the weekly poetry edition, presented by Ryan Kiefer of Mind Blending.